0: Hello, I'm David Wood. So I have to begin by admitting that I can be a bit of a curmudgeon when it comes to social greetings. Normal people, when asked by a stranger, how are you? Respond with, I'm fine. How are you? The answer is reflexive. A stranger's question, how are you? Is recognized as an invitation to connect over some inconsequential transaction, like picking up the dry cleaning. but That wasn't the way I rolled. (laughs) The stranger's query, how are you, felt complicated to me. I found it impossible not to take it literally. And frankly, I felt irritated to be asked a question that didn't call for a candid response. The waiter at the restaurant didn't really want to know how I was this day. He just needed me to say, I'm great. How are you? So he could get on with telling me about today's specials. Really, I wanted to say in this day and age, we have to exchange wishes for each other's good health before I can order a plate of spaghetti. It just seemed ridiculous, a holdover from another age when strangers said to each other, hail fellow well met and all that sort of thing. Hadn't we evolved beyond this kind of silliness? So when a stranger asked me, how are you? I would growl, I'm fine, and leave it at that. Rarely would I reciprocate by asking how he or she was this fine day. It just felt disingenuous to me. I didn't wanna know, so I wasn't gonna ask. Well, my friends would jump all over me for this. The questions at convention, they would say, not a request for information. Greetings are important. They're how we show we care about and respect one another. Couldn't I just suck it up and say, I'm fine, how are you? Well, I got the message here. You weren't raised by wolves. Grow up, act like a member of society. And so it was that grudgingly, I began to answer a stranger's question, how are you? With what seemed to me to be an acceptable compromise. I'd say the obligatory I'm fine, but I wouldn't ask the fatuous counter question and how are you because I didn't really care about the answer. Instead, and here comes the compromise, I would say I'm fine hope you are too. For me, this response seemed to check all the boxes acknowledgement of the rhetorical question, how are you check. A responsive declaration of well being that I may or may not actually feel? Check again. An insincere expression of interest in the questioner's good health? Again, check. Sounded like a win win for everybody, right? But according to my friends, that wasn't good enough. I wasn't playing by the rules, I was told. Saying, I'm fine, hope you are too, leaves the questioner hanging, feeling awkward unsure what to say next why would i do that to a stranger who was just trying to be nice to me well i thought that was a little unfair i'm fine hope you are too seemed an acceptable response to a throwaway question making exchanges of greetings short and sweet at worst i was abbreviating the interaction freeing up the waiter or clerk to get on with selling me something wouldn't their supervisors approve i mean let's not forget we want the same thing here the service person wants to get me fed and on my way i want to order my meal and be left in peace neither of us wants to hang around and chit chat like we were old buddies my response i'm fine hope you are too spared us both the social greeting dance keeping the economy moving meeting everybody's needs. Again, a win-win, right? Then, on February 17, 2017, our son Galen died, and my world imploded. Suddenly, I found myself constantly hypersensitive, a bundle of nerves, unable to think. Everything hurt. It felt like I had no skin. Now, a stranger's question, how are you, felt like a fingernails on a blackboard. And saying I was just fine was a lie I didn't feel like telling. When a grinning teenager at the Starbucks counter asked me how my day was going so far, what I wanted to say was really, really awful, so awful that it feels like my head is gonna explode. So unbelievably indescribably awful that it feels like my heart has been ripped from my body, still beating and stomped on the floor. That's how my day is going so far. About a week after Galen died, I walked into a men's clothing store to buy a shirt. A young man came bouncing up to me and asked me how my day was going when I muttered okay he cranked up his grin a notch and said, come on man, the sun is shining the birds are singing the world is beautiful, how can you be just okay on a day like today. I looked at him and said my son just died, and I need a shirt to wear to deliver eulogy. I was in and out of that store, new shirt in hand, in under two minutes. Just the way I like it, I thought. You know, I don't do that anymore. In the time since our son's death, I've come to realize that asking each other how we are is an important part of how we achieve community. Linguists and sociologists tell us that greetings play an essential role in our culture because they express a ritual form of politeness, an important way we build and maintain social relationships. A greeting in Zimbabwe involves hand clapping. The Japanese exchange bows. The Maasai tribe in Kenya and Tanzania spit on one another. We ask each other how we are. As greeting rituals go, ours are pretty uncomplicated. As I've moved through the crushing grief that's followed the loss of our child. I see now that any connection I make with the strangers around me, even one as ubiquitous as how are you, could be the one that on any given day takes me out of sadness for just a moment. Those moments add up and I found that I need every single one. I've also found that out of the many strangers who have asked me since we lost our son how I am. Every so often there's someone who completely unexpectedly wants a real answer. So I fly a lot for my business. Shortly after our boy's death, I was on a plane home from the East Coast one Friday night after a particularly grueling week on the road. After takeoff, a flight attendant knelt next to my seat, introduced herself and asked me, how are you this evening? As I was about to reply, I saw a shadow of concern cross her face and I realized I had been sitting there crying. As I struggled to regain my composure, I choked out that one of my children had recently died, looking straight into my eyes. She reached out and squeezed my hand for just a moment, then went on with her work. Had I responded to her question, how are you? With, I'm fine, hope you are too. I might have missed this moment of connection, this gift of compassion she gave me that got me through the next few agonizing hours. I think of that woman as an angel and I will be forever grateful for the comfort she gave me in a time of great darkness, with just a squeeze of my hand. Since then, I've come to know that I'm surrounded by angels like her. As my head has cleared in the wake of tragedy, I've encountered strangers who have shown me profound goodness when I least expected it, just because I opened my heart for just a moment and answered the question, how are you, with something other than, I'm fine, hope you are too. There are so many angels in this virtual sanctuary today. Galen grew up in this church. This fellowship has always been blessed to have a lot of children, but when he was a little guy, there were literally dozens of them. We became known at the Pacific Southwest District as that church with all the kids. Those kids are now adults and have their own children, the grandchildren of many of you here this morning. Galen made a lot of friends here. It was in this church that he found his voice as a social justice advocate. It was at family camp at Beneville Pines that he found his love for the mountains and nature that stayed with him for the rest of his life. His death required my wife Elizabeth and me to perform unthinkable tasks that no parent should ever have to do. Elizabeth arrived at the scene of his death and had to identify his body. We said goodbye to Galen at a smelly crematorium in the valley, not having anticipated what he would look like after an autopsy, stroking his frozen, distorted face, trying to commit his features to memory. And we had to confront the impossible tasks of writing eulogies and putting on a memorial service. That's when so many of you stepped up. Reverend Nika and a small army of members of this church, some of whom we hardly knew, helped plan and execute a lovely service. You got us through the worst day of our lives. And Elizabeth and I will always be grateful. You are indeed the angels I've learned to watch out for. I've also learned to be an angel when I can, by being alert to opportunities to comfort a stranger. Not long ago, I was driving up the hill to our home in Camarillo and was passed by a car going at top speed now it's a two lane street with a 30 mile an hour speed limit and the way this person was driving was really dangerous as he roared off in front of me he turned suddenly into a driveway. Well, I assumed he was drunk, so I followed him thinking I would tell him to stay off the road or i'd call the cops. I pulled up next to the guy and rolled down my window. What I saw was a young man, maybe 18 or 20, crying uncontrollably. My desire to tell him off instantly melted away because I saw something I immediately recognized, the face of human suffering. I asked him, how are you? Through racking, heaving sobs, he told me his father had recently been killed in an accident. I don't remember what I said to him, only that I spoke in soothing tones. As he began to calm, I asked him if this was where he lived, he said it was. I replied as gently as I knew how, that he probably shouldn't be driving. The young man nodded and went inside. You know, in retrospect, I think of this encounter as another of life's gifts to me, the opportunity to be an angel for the briefest of moments towards someone who is suffering terribly. It's how I get to repay the universe for the kindness that strangers have shown me. Galen's been gone for almost five years now. I know that sounds like a long time, and for most things, five years is a long time, but not when you lose a child. I think of him every night before I go to sleep, every morning when I wake up, and often many times in between. Grieving, it's like no other process. It has a beginning and a middle, but never an end it never goes away. It only changes. But the strength and resilience we learn from walking through catastrophe never goes away either. There are many of us walking through the pain of losing someone we love. Never coming out the other side, but still moving toward a place where most of the time we can remember our loved ones without breaking down. Sometimes At our worst moments, it feels like the lights have gone out and will never come back on. It just feels like the end. But it isn't. St. Francis of Assisi said, all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. I know now that the darkness that follows in the wake of terrible tragedy will not last forever. And that that one stranger in ten or hundred or thousand who really wants to know how I am on a particular day is a flicker of healing light. I've also come to know that every so often a suffering stranger will wander into my world for just a moment, needing me to ask, how are you and listen to the answer. I guess I've grown up a little since our son's death. I get now that the ritual exchange of greetings with a stranger asks very little of me. All I have to do when someone asks me how I am is to keep an eye out for angels and speak my lines, which, as it turns out, are the truth most of the time. I'm okay. Losing Galen has been unimaginably painful, and sometimes it's still that way. But at this moment, I'm right where I'm supposed to be, here with you, sharing in the spirit of mutual friendship and support, asking one another with open loving hearts how we are. How am I? I'm fine. I hope you are too.